0: Hello, beautiful friends. It's Kathleen Delahunt, and we continue with our Bible study on Matthew 5 to 8. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done. This morning I'm going to start off with Matthew 6, verse 25 to 32, and this is Jesus speaking about do not be anxious. It says, That is why. That is why? What is he referring to? He's referring to do not be double minded. Do not allow yourself to fix your eyes on the treasures of this world, but let your treasure be stored up in heaven and let your eye be full of light. And that's where we ended last week. That is why I'm telling you to stop worrying about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, isn't it? And the body more than clothing. Life is more than food. I love that. Life is so much more than food. Life is being alive emotionally, physically, financially, spiritually. It's being in the fullness of abundant life. It's having the liberty and freedom of being alive. It's appreciating the tiny little things. I think the greatest delight for me is looking out my window in the morning and seeing the butterflies starting to fly by. And every single day, there are two beautiful little kingfishes that come and sit outside my kitchen window they are just so beautiful. And I just look at this couple that are so obviously close to each other, these beautiful little birds. And what a joy it is to see them and to notice them and to experience. Friends, life is just so much more than eating and drinking and clothing. And yet, how often that's what we limit our life to. Life is so much more. It says, life is more than food, isn't it? And the body more than clothing. And then it goes on to say, look at the birds in the sky. They do not plant or harvest or gather food into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. You are more valuable than they are, aren't you? Can any of you add a single hour to the length of your life by worrying? The truth of the matter, friends, is that the more we worry, the more we cut our life short the more we end up with serious health diseases and end up dying prematurely because of stress and worry. And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They do not work or spin yarn. But I tell you, even Solomon in all of his splendor was not clothed like one of them. Now if that is the way God clothes the glass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow thrown into the oven, won't he... Clothe you much better, O you of little faith. So do not worry by saying, What are we going to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? Because it is the unbelievers that are eager for all these things. Surely your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them. As I said last week, friends, God doesn't mind us having beautiful clothes and beautiful things. He doesn't mind that at all. But the point is, is that what you're striving for? Is that what you're living for? Is that what you're working for? Or are you alive? Are you living? Are you enjoying your family? Are you enjoying happy moments? Are you contented? Or are you forever living in tomorrow? Things will always be better tomorrow. No, they won't. If you haven't found the contentment of today, the joy of today, the peace of today, the delight of today, the grace of today, the life of today... Tomorrow will offer you nothing, friends, because it will just be another spinning wheel into trying to f- strive into more of what you need and you want. And there is no end to that striving, and it's never enough. But when you live today, when you truly live today, when you find the joy of living today, the peace and the grace of living today, when today is not all about needs, But today is all about life and contentment and enjoying today. Friends, if you've got children, have you looked at your children today? Have you looked into their eyes? Have you seen them? Have you chatted with them? Have you heard their little hearts? Have you heard their fears? Or have you just rushed into the day doing what you normally do, rushing them along, telling them to get ready, get and gone through the day and come home exhausted and they've just irritated you? And you haven't actually got to see them, to know them, to love them, to do life with them. What about your partner, husband? Have you seen her today? Have you loved her today? Have you let her see Jesus in your eyes today? Have you made her feel secure and loved? Have you held her today? Have you given her life today? And what about you, wife? Have you looked at this man that God has given you? this treasure, this incredible privileged person that he's put in your life, your person, have you told them how beautiful they are, how special they are, how you treasure them, how grateful you are to them? Have you thanked God for your beautiful life? Oh, but Kathy, I have so many needs. Today, friends, God will provide all your needs according to his goodness and glory if you will just stop and live and you will just allow him to work in you and through you, through the light in your eyes and through the delight the of life and trusting him. And friends, I want to tell you something. He wants to be your provider. And that does not mean that you don't have a part to play. It means that it's not your own effort and your own striving. It means that you have a life that's more than just eating and drinking and getting dressed and having the things you need. It means that you actually stop and live today. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have enough troubles of its own. Just live in the fullness of today's life. You know, the one thing that's common for every single person, when they lie on their deathbed one day, it's not what they should have done more, but how they should have loved more. And I want to say this to you, friends, you've got today to love. You've got today to find contentment and you've got today to find peace. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow may not never come for many of us. Many of us may not have tomorrow. So we're worrying about something that may not even come, but we do have today. And there are people that need you to live today. There are people that need to feel you today, that need to hear you today, that need to see your eyes seeing them today, that need to feel your love and kindness today, that need to feel your acceptance today that need to see the contentment in just loving being alive today. I don't understand miserable people and I don't understand grumbling people. I don't understand it because there's so much. I don't feel like I have enough hours in a day to enjoy every day. There's just so much living to do. There's so many things to be excited about. Have you looked out the window and just seen the little budding flowers? have you heard the cheeping and the chirping of the little birds outside have you just breathed in the fresh oxygen have you been excited about the fact that you can open a tap and there's water in it <laughs> what about the fact that you can put on a switch and there's light oh how we grumble for so many things but how little we delight in and how little we excited about friends Do not worry about tomorrow, but live today. Because life is more than just food and drink and clothes and needs and troubles. Life is about the privilege of living this life that Jesus has given us. It's about being able to breathe. It's about being able to walk and laugh and jump and enjoy other people. And you may not be able to walk today. I know my dad lost a leg. And, you know, it wasn't an easy thing for him to do, a man in his 80s, to learn to walk with one leg and an artificial limb. But you know what I've delighted in, friends? That he's alive and that every single day he finds a reason to delight and to be happy and to live. And he oozes life and he still gives life to everybody that knows him. And I I admire him so much, friends, because he's got so much to complain about. He's got so much to grumble about. He's got so much to be miserable about. And yet you never, ever hear him talking about the fact that it's difficult for him. He only ever finds a reason to live and to give life. And he still makes things for his great-grandchildren. And he still goes and helps out and works for charity. And he's alive. And friends, that's what life is all about. It's finding the contentment in who you are and what you've got. And instead of focusing in on what you haven't got, focusing in on the joy of being alive. Do not worry about tomorrow. You may not even be here. And tomorrow will have enough troubles of its own. Live today. And live today well. Let the people who know you be blessed because you are alive today. And then he goes on to say in Matthew 6, verse 33 to 34, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God. That means the governance of God, the authority of God, the dominion of God, the rule of God, the realm of God. And remember, Jesus has been talking to his disciples, and he's been teaching them how to pray. He said, guys, when you pray, ask for the kingdom of God to come into the day. Bring the kingdom of God into into your world today. Seek the kingdom of God. Seek. That word seek means look until you find. Do not stop seeking for the kingdom of God until you find it. It's a completely different way of living and thinking. Friends, when you live according to the kingdom, you have a completely different mindset to those who live according to the ways of this world. Look for it until you find it. Do not stop looking for it. And not only just for the governance and the dominion and the rule and the realm and the territory of the kingdom of God, but for the righteousness of the kingdom of God. That means observing divine law. It means being holy. It means conforming to the will of God. It means the state of approval of God. It means the purity of life, the innocence, the integrity, the correctness of feeling, thinking, and acting in holiness and purity. The equity, which means the impartiality of God, the justice and the virtue of God. Friends, you cannot be racist and have the equity of God because God doesn't even understand the term racist. He created all people and he loves all people. And we've got a it. Seek until you find. How do you know that you found it? Because your heart's been changed. Because you think differently, because you look at things differently, because you know how to live, because you live according to a different kingdom. Friends, once you start getting the revelation that living according to a different kingdom looks, feels, and is completely different to living according to this world, you can't understand it when people are still slaves to this world, even though they may have served Jesus a long time. Because at the end of the day, friends, whatever is your master, you're a slave to it my master is Jesus Christ. He is my Lord and he is my savior. And I'm a slave to Jesus, but not to anything that this world has to offer. And that's why he says, seek until you find it. And how do you know you found it? Because your life is full of joy and love and peace and righteousness. And you're able to look at everything through new eyes and you're able to see everything the way Jesus sees it. What a pure, delightful joy. Friends, when that happens, you do not worry because you know unshakably that the same God that is your provider, your carer, and the lover of your soul today will be the provider, the carer, and the lover of your soul tomorrow. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. And he definitely will not abandon you. He is a wonderful, faithful, faithful God goes on to say, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Not may, will. Will, that's a a promise. I will give you everything if you will seek me first. So never worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Oh, friends, what a joy to live one day at a time. To live and actually live, friends, what a joy. What a joy to let somebody know you love them. What a joy just to breathe. What a joy to go shopping and not feel pressurized, but just to enjoy the privilege of being able to walk into a shop and go and pick what you need without having to go into a field and harvest it all for yourself. What a joy to actually live. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything will be added unto you. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be anxious, because once you know him, once you really know him, there's nothing that's impossible for our King, our Lord, and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Well, that's the end of chapter 6. And now looking at chapter 7, it has a completely different feel as we look at it, because it's, it's Jesus addresses some really serious things in chapter 7. And I just want you never to lose the picture that he's sitting on Mount Beatitudes, talking to his disciples, teaching them about being the leaders of the church. And the Bible says he was teaching them. He wasn't evangelizing. And he was talking to them about being the leaders of the next church once he goes. And also, he was teaching them how to teach others be followers of christ how to be true disciples and so as we look at chapter 7 there's a slight change in what he's addressing here and i feel like there's a bit more of a soberness because he's now talking about some deep-rooted character things as he starts talking in chapter 7. so chapter 7 verse 1 starts but do not judge or you will be judged for in the same way you judge others you will be judged and with the same measure you use it will be used against you you see friends when we judge others we place ourselves under judgment and it's not god that's judging us it's the demonic powers called judges or magistrates that have the legal right to judge us because we have judged others and they will judge us at the same measure that we measure others What we sow, we reap. What we pour out toward others is what comes back against us. It goes on to say, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrites! First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. You know, friends, as we go back to the evil eye or the eye of light, people whose eyes are filled with light, whose heart is full of Jesus, don't notice specks in other people's eyes. Because when when they look at others, they don't see their failures, their small things, their irritations they see the potential in their life that jesus has for them because when they see through the eyes of jesus you know jesus when he looks at us doesn't see us for our failures he sees us for our potential and that's what happens when we look at people through the eyes of a good eye but when you look at people through the eyes of an evil eye Whatever bitterness is in your heart, you will betray unto them. Whatever evil is in your heart, you will betray unto them. Whatever discontentment there is. And if you have a critical spirit in your heart, you will be critical of them. So when Jesus says you are recognizing a speck in your brother's eye, but there's a plank in yours, he's saying because you are looking with an evil eye. Because if you had a good eye, you wouldn't notice that speck. And friends, I want to say this to you. Judge your heart right now. Are you always being critical? Are you always judging people? Are you always finding a reason to condemn them? Are you always seeing the negative in people? Are you always looking at people and seeing their weaknesses, their frailties, their badness, their evil? How evil is your eye? Or are you looking at them and seeing the potential Jesus sees and you're not even noticing their frailties and their weakness because Jesus doesn't look at yours? He never once says to you when he comes to call us, Oh, you evil, wicked person. He says, come here, beloved. I've called you by name. You are mine. And he loves us and he reaches out into the depth of our pit. And he draws us out, encouraging and empowering us and calling us by our created state and what we have full potential of becoming friends. He never worries about the speck in our eye because he knows once we fix our eyes on him and once we seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, That we will be so flooded with hope and life and glory and beauty and the spirit of God that all those specks will just fall out of our eyes. And so friends, if you're noticing other people's specks, how evil is your eye? How big is the plank in your eye? How dark is the heart within you? What is it in you that makes you so critical of other people? God is challenging us here. I said to you it's more sober because he's challenging us. And he's saying, what is it in you that is causing you to always criticize, condemn, nitpick, recognize, judge other people, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, you always judging them. What is it in you that is causing you to do that? Is your eye light or is your eye evil? Are you looking from a worldly perspective or are you looking from a kingdom perspective? seek first the kingdom of god and all these things will be added unto you be single-minded fix your eyes on jesus and you'll be surprised at how beautiful people you look and how beautiful they are when you see them through his eyes because when you see them through his eyes you see their potential not their weaknesses then it goes on to say this but do not give dogs what is sacred or throw your pearls before pigs so he says don't judge people But then he says, but be discerning when you see a person who's always behaving in a bad nature. And remember, bad nature talks about there's some demonic stronghold that's controlling them. There's a devil there. He says, when you see that they repeatedly behave in the same way, do not throw what is sacred before them. What does sacred mean? It means what is pure, what's morally blameless, what is holy. Do not go to somebody that you see they're continuously behaving in the fashion of a dog, and I'll talk about a dog in a minute, and try and bring to them that which is holy and moral and blameless and pure. Do not go and try and speak to them about the things of God when they don't want to hear about the things of God because they have chosen to operate in a world that is just dark and evil and lustful and flesh-filled because it says they're going to turn on and bite you. And do not throw your pearls before the pigs. What are pearls? You know, it says that the pearl of great price... Once you find it, you will give up everything to buy that field. It's the story of the testimony of your life. You know, pearls are formed by dirt and sand and grit that goes into the shell. And then the shell creates, the mother shell creates this beautiful um, substance that it covers that grit with until it becomes a valuable pearl. And that's what Jesus does with our life. You see, he's not taking specks out of our eyes, friends. When we come to him, he comes and he completely transforms us and he covers everything that was our sin and he makes our life into the most beautiful, valuable pearl. And he says, don't you take what's cost you everything and go throw it before the pigs because they will trample on it or they will bite you. Now, what is a dog? A dog is a man of an impure mind. That is the description in the Strong's. It means somebody that behaves like a dog, that is driven by instincts, by the lust of their flesh. They they have no consideration for what is moral or pure. They just lust after their flesh, sexually, and for all kinds of other things, the lusts of desires of this world. And they have a temper. They have a a rage problem. They will bite you for anything. They are reactional. They are very quick to react. They are always attacking. He says, recognize a dog. A dog chooses to behave as one that has never dealt with a sin in their life. They are striving for the lust of their flesh morally and for the wealth of this world. And they are reactional and they are quick to bite you. It says a dog will go back to its vomit. When you meet a person like that, friends, Don't try and change them because they don't want to change. They have chosen to be like that. You take what is sacred, what is holy, and you do not offer it to them. Do not go and pour your life out week after week after week to a person who chooses to live in sin. You pray for them. But you walk away from them because you're not responsible for their life choices and they're going to end up hurting you terribly because they will see you as the enemy when you're trying to reach out to them. And do not throw your pearls before pigs pigs wallow in their own mud friend what is a pig a pig is a person who is continuously seeing themselves as a victim they're always feeling sorry for themselves they're always demanding attention oh woe is me oh poor me they're always wallowing in their own little world of misery they're always depressed they're always feeling sorry for themselves and their whole world revolves around them He says, do not take your pearls and throw it before the swine because they will trample on it. And you know what, friends? One thing I've learned in my life is that we're not victims. The day that we accept Jesus, we are on the winning side. We are victorious. And when you meet somebody that is always telling you their story, always the victim, always looking for reasons to blame everybody else and always wallowing in depression and self-pity, their best friend is their misery. Leave them. Let them wallow. Stop trying to clean them because they're going to go right back into that pit. And I want to tell you, friends, you will be the one that's hurt at the end of that. God says, have discernment. Reach people. Don't judge people. Love people. Be there for people. But when you see patterns of behavior that refuse to change, they keep going around and around the same mountain, walk away from them. Have nothing more to do with them. You're not judging them. You're just discerning that this is a character type because it's driven by a demon And you can do nothing about that until that person chooses to want to be set free. It says in in verse 6, If you do, they will trample them under your feet and turn and tear you to pieces. I've seen so many people being really hurt when they've tried to reach out to friends and family that are dogs and pigs, and they're the ones that have been broken down, criticized, and they're the ones that have ended up being hurt the most this is when we use the keys the keys of heaven this is when we never stop praying for them friends but you stop reaching out to them how do the keys work matthew 16 19 and matthew 18 18 matthew and mark 12 verse 30 says love the lord your god with all your heart your soul your mind and your strength and so the key is that we pray for them for their heart their soul their mind and their strength and we bind their heart to jesus And we loose their heart from the ways of this world, the lusts of this world, the self-pity from that which you see driving them, the spirit of lust, the spirit of the ways of this world, the deception, the fears, the depression. Depression is a demon, friends. It's a spirit of depression. And the Bible says put on a garment of praise for a spirit of depression and you will stop it from operating. But if you embrace it and you make it a friend, that will just consume you and take over. But we can pray for them, friends. We use the keys of heaven. We bind them to what heaven is predestined for their life. We bind them to what God's plans are for them. We bind them to Jesus, their heart, their soul, their mind and their strength. And we loose them from that which they have made master of their life until they come to the place and the position where they choose to choose Jesus and they choose to make the difference and they choose to stand and they choose to allow Jesus to set them free. And when that choice comes, that's when we can help them again, friend. But you have to discern. Don't judge anybody. But if you see somebody that is repeatedly living in a lifestyle of a dog, or in the lifestyle of a pig. You have to walk away from them. You have to stop. You cannot continue because you will be the one that is hurt the most. But you have to keep praying for them. Bind them to Jesus. Use the keys of heaven. Bind their heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength to Jesus and their destiny to Jesus and loose them from that which is controlling them and holding them and loose them from that which is bound them to be a master to the lusts of this world or to the spirits of self-pity and depression that has kept them wallowing in mud. You know, many years ago in our second church, we moved into a church. And when we got there, it was a small church. There was a couple that had been separated for about two years and their families were both in the church. On the one side of the church was the wife and her family and on the other side was the husband and his friends and family and they were both sitting in the church and the children had to run between the one and the other and these two were not talking to each other, they were angry with each other and they sitting with this division in the church. And my husband and I felt that this can't continue because this was harmful to the body of Christ and it wasn't helping the children and it definitely wasn't helping the couple. So we called them in and we said, guys, can't we see if we can help you to work on your marriage? Let's sit down with you and see what really is happening here and that the way that we do it, we never allow... the the wife to complain about her husband or the husband to complain about the wife we always say well what do you feel you could have done differently to make this marriage work better what do you feel your responsibility is and so we started with a wife and we said to her they were sitting together we said to the wife what do you feel you could have done differently so that this marriage could have worked and there could have been a better start for this marriage to thrive and to reflect the kingdom of god And she thought for a little while and she started saying, well, maybe, maybe I need to. And she mentioned a few things and we said, that is good. That is such a good start. This is where you need to ask God to help you. And you've got to respect him again. And you've got to ask God to, to put a love in you again and a passion in you again for this man, which is the partner that God has given you, because you know, it's not about getting the, a good partner that makes a marriage. It's about being a good partner and she was sitting there and just listening to us and and she was saying yes yes I'm going to pray into this I'm going to see and her heart was so pure and so ready to do whatever it took to work on this marriage and we turned to the husband and we said to him so tell me what do you think you could do differently so that your marriage could look better what do you feel you could do to make a difference and make this marriage work and he got so offended And he rose up and he said, are you blaming me for the breakdown in this marriage? Are you saying it is my fault? And he was reactional and he was angry and he was full of rage and he stormed out of their friends. And you know, the next day, wherever we went in the small village and a small town, Everybody was looking at us and talking about us. And it soon came out that he had spread the news all over the town that we were the cause of his marriage breaking up. And he ended up divorcing his wife and it was our fault. And you know, friends, it was such a lesson on recognize the dogs and recognize the pigs. They don't want your help. They want to blame somebody. And they're going to end up trampling on that which is sacred. And they're going to end up biting and tearing you apart. The end of the story is he left his wife, and it turned out that he'd been having an affair for years and years and years. He was a dog. He was a man that was driven by lust. He was driven by rage, and he would not take responsibility. And he had had this affair for years and had treated his wife and her family and had blamed everybody else. And it was everybody else's fault that the marriage broke up, but he never took responsibility. And to this day, as far as I know, he's never taken responsibility But the end of that journey of trying to reach out and trying to help was that we were considered the enemy. We were criticized. We were broken down. Our reputations were at stake. And everything that was sacred was trampled on and thrown to the ground. You see, friends, don't judge anybody. Make sure your heart is pure. So when you look at people, you see purity in them. You don't see the little tiny speck in their eye, but you see the potential of what Jesus says. But discern. And if you see a pattern of a dog, somebody that is driven by lust, driven by rage, and always attacking and blaming other people, or you see the pattern of a pig, somebody who loves self-pity, who loves wallowing in their own misery, and who just thoroughly enjoys having a friendship with misery, being alone in depression, walk away from them. Because you will be the one that's hurt in the end. But... Never stop praying for them, because Jesus hasn't given up on them, but He needs their will to rise up, and you have the key in prayer to get them to a place that their will will rise up. Bless you beautiful friends, have the most glorious week. remember, don't judge. Make sure that eye, your eye, of your heart is pure, that you look at people from a place of light and love and love and not judgment, criticism and misery. Make sure your heart is pure. Do not judge anybody, but walk away from dogs and walk away from pigs and pray for them so that God can bring changes into their heart. You know, Jesus himself can do nothing with a heart that refuses to submit to him, but a submissive heart Jesus will change in an instant. Pray. You have that power and authority, friends, but walk away because nothing you say or do will change them because they've chosen to live the life that they are living. Bless you, beautiful friends, and until we meet again, and until we chat again, have the most glorious week, fix your eyes on Jesus, be single-minded, build his kingdom, grow in his kingdom, and love him more every single day. Ask for the Holy Spirit to flood you anew every single morning, and let the life of Jesus be your portion. Live today, because tomorrow will have enough problems of its own. Goodbye.